see, let's see, let's see. We're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Oh, set it tone! Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your favorite artist, Xavier Omar, and feel the power. <laughs> it's a new day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> that was incredible. He was like, um, not trying to let me in on this great big intro he was going to do. I knew it was wrestling related, but I couldn't figure <laughs> where you were going to go. So yeah. I am your illustrious host, Sports Guy Jose, and my next guest is a fantastic artist. He's a wrestling nerd like myself. <laughs> it is Mr. Xavier Omar. How are you? Doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. We're, over here. We're both like trying to fight off the season. I know, man. It's <laughs> awful. So what have you been up to, man? Dude, you know, I just moved here now a month ago. Um, so we're actually still getting the home together. Um, you know, you got the invite for the housewarming. Yeah. So we're still getting the home together. We are um, we're out here looking for a church as well, still just visiting. And I have a lot going on between tour and the album. Mm -hmm. uh, the album's coming out October 25th. The tour starts November 29th. And there's still some logistics. We're um, just kind of nailing down on that. And then, you know, the, the label has me going to New York next week to do some um, some press. So just trying to figure some things out as far as, like, where I'm going, what I'm doing, who I'm singing this for, that for, just a bunch of stuff. Trying to make it back in time for my own housewarming, actually. <laughs> uh, I think I land, like, 40 minutes before it starts, so that's weird. Wow. But, yeah, so just got a lot of stuff going on because we're, we're about to hit that, that time of year where we're full throttle, so... Um, I can't wait for it to be over yeah. and just get on that tour. Um, have you gone on a press like or a press run like that before? Well, not on a not with a major, obviously, because yeah. this is my first time with a major. But me and Mike Luna, uh, we went and kind of did our own for the last project. I think it was uh yeah, we did it for Pink Lightning. Nice. Uh, we just, I mean, it was it felt unnecessary to me because Pink Lightning was just an EP. But at the same time, just trying to get people to hear this and, and know that. I, oh, man, I'm wrong. It may have been Everlasting Wave was what we did it for. Okay. Because I think it was even further back than that tour was. Wow. Um, but, yeah, we just we did what we could. Uh, I think we spent, we spent like five days in New York, but we only got about maybe three or four publications to, to work with and do some stuff for. Funny enough, I did a whole interview on camera with one of them. It had a mic and everything, and... Um, Somehow the mics didn't record anything. And oh so my gosh! That whole thing was wasted. That's my biggest fear right now. <laughs> yeah. It was it was crazy because it's like you know you do all these tests and then it's just like, oh sorry the mics didn't pick up anything. I mean that's not gonna happen here. You have multiple episodes. You're great at what you do. <laughs> but, but man, it was it was a lot, and um, I kind of expected to be a, a rush again once we get to New York. Nice. Yeah. Um. So when did you get, you know, the news that you know you have an offer to be on a major? I don't even 100% remember. I know it was in 2018, of course, but it we had been talking to Tunji in particular uh -huh. for about two years before that. Oh, wow. And so I felt that maybe it was like, man, if they really wanted me, it would have tried to sign me by now. Yeah. But in actuality, Tunji, I remember when I first went to RCA's office, it was March of 2017. The first time I went to their offices, he wanted me to sign there at that point. So I guess it was just about maybe it's convincing other people there or something else going on. Um, and I was coming off the Everlasting Wave like just a few months 
uh, before that. So it was like the right time. And I'm not really sure what happened. I, I don't mm-hmm. get it. I know um, they had just done the Khalid. Matter of fact, Khalid was there uh, at that that time that I went to visit. So I know Khalid's album had just come out and they were getting all that going. But I don't know what else was kind of like yeah. keeping it from happening. So um, I don't remember getting getting the news only because it just felt the that moment felt like it took so long but that it also should have happened in my yeah. head already. I guess it's kind of arrogant, but at the same time, I was like, I knew it was around. Um, so I just know that I signed in July of last year. Oh, nice. Because um, so, I remember you announced it at um, your homecoming show. Yes. I announced it to San Antonio only, actually, mm-hmm. in February. Um, and so, I, man, last year was weird because I thought this album was going to be put together and released last year. But once I signed, it was like, okay, do they want me to do my own thing first? Or am I allowed to do this thing with Sango? We were kind of in progress, but didn't go full throttle because we didn't know yet. Yeah. So I was in limbo. You know, last year was the first time since I started making music on my own in 2012 that I didn't put out a project of some sort. Wow. And it really bothered me because I I wanted that streak to live on. And because I just, I thought the game plan was one thing and it ended up being something else. So, um, Is there anything positive you take out of that? No. No. <laughs> no. Because um, you're honest. Be, I, I just... Pink Lightning was one of those things where I put it together because I knew we were about to do a tour mm-hmm. and I was going to be touring my two older projects, right? And I was like, well, let me give them something new as well. Yeah. So it wasn't this like super focused or anything like that. I, just, I made music because... Almost just because I can, let's just put things together and give it a theme, even though it wasn't really like this real story or or things that happened around the same time even even mm-hmm. just kind of put music together um so that I always felt like I to a degree cheated the fans on that project, even though running around did really well, the title caught on pretty late, and people like that um people like that song a bunch, but I don't know um there's still some songs like i I still do stuck live because it just it feels so much better as a live song with the band yeah. and that bass but there's that project in general just didn't um it didn't 100 speak to what i wanted to do in that time and so to not be able to do something in 18 either threw me off i thought me and Sango were going to do moment spent love you in 18 but he had his album coming out and i was like oh so when we put when we were about to do sweet holy honey i thought that was going to our project yeah and then he's like, yo, shooting a video for my project. We're doing Sweet Holy Honey. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's for your project. <laughs> and so, um, and the whole the thing for me was kind of deciding what we're going to do next, all at 18. And once we made that decision, we started, we worked on it. We finished it before 18 was over. Matter of fact, I tweeted in October of 2018 that the project's done. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a full year. Has anything been tweaked? Uh yeah, stuff has been tweaked like post production wise, but I've only added one song. Okay. I wrote another song earlier this year and put it on. So I mean everything's in God's timing, so I'm not gonna be upset about the fact that it didn't release as soon as I would like it to, but I also don't take anything from that time. Yeah. About about it not I don't know, it just it was all weird, you know. Um You started out rapping, right? Yes. You're in a rap group in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh can you talk about that? I won't even say the name of the group because I don't want people <laughs> finding the old music because uh, it wasn't all great. But <laughs> it was uh, me, Freeman, and L.A. Um, we were all in the group together. We grew up in 
Warner Robins, Georgia together. Mm-hmm. And man, we uh, we were 14. First of all, I've known LA, E-L-H-A-E for people who don't know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known LA since I was four years old. Wow. So we've been friends for 25 years now. Um, yeah, best man at my wedding and everything. Freeman awesome. was also a part of the uh, my groomsmen. So... Well, yeah, congrats, by the way. Thanks, yeah. Two men got married in this room this year. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I've, I've known them for, or I've known L.A. for a long time, and I met Freeman when I was 14, and I was still was heavy. I was making music while I was in Maryland at age 12, and I moved to Georgia, back to Georgia when I was 14. Oh, yeah, because you're a military brat, right? Yeah, so I was just trying to just keep it going, basically, and it was cool that he was into music, and then his friend was dumped. So we just, we did that, man. That group was together for six years. Um, I started off producing, and then L.A. got into it himself, and then we leaned on him completely for the production. And it made it so unique because, first of all, whenever you have one core producer, it's always going to be different than anything else. Um, So just having that one sound that nobody else can duplicate or get was was pretty cool. Uh, We were a Christian hip-hop group, doing the best that we could, but people just like... We were a little bit ahead of the curve as far as just trying to be, I don't know why Christianity culture-wise has been a little bit behind forever on everything. So just trying to be our own selves, but also have that belief, mm-hmm. you know, um, doing nothing against it, but just like living it out in fun ways. It was like looked down upon. Like if you didn't say Jesus in every song or particular things, mm-hmm. if you talked about anything other than Jesus... In your music, it was like, well, why? Saw, why isn't there more of it in your song? You know, it was. It was. I weird. saw Luke Cray went through that because <sighs> my cousin and I were on him back in 07. Yeah, I remember. I remember going to a concert of his in Austin. It was a free concert, and he dealt with that pushback. Him, uh, Kirk Franklin, uh, and who else was? There's a bunch of a bunch of dudes. I still have it on my old iPod. <laughs> Unfortunately, I went through it twice, and we'll get into that later once the the group broke up. But yeah. Um, man, we, we went through a lot of that stuff. So, um, I don't think we were ever as well received as we could have been. Yeah. But I also think we were not like visionaries or nothing, but we were kind of a part of that first wave of what has sort of happened all over CHH now. And now the understanding is, um, you know, there, there are some who, who do it more theologically and there are others who do it more in a lifestyle way and we need both. We need both who are going to say um, I'm a Christian rapper or those who say I am a Christian who raps mm-hmm. and I have many lanes. Um, and there's always been that back and forth between yeah. the Christian community about who does this and that. And so we were just, we weren't quite in the middle of that. We were in, sort of in the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened really with the lifespan of that group. I remember you were saying um one of your biggest, one of your music idols was Lil Bow Wow. Yes, at first. <laughs> Man, I started rapping because I was like, yo, if this dude can do it, obviously, like, I can yeah. make it. I was the greatest of all time at 12 years old. So, <laughs> it, I, I just, like, took it and ran with him. And I, um, I didn't get his first CD. I just listened to all the songs that were on the radio. Yeah. I bought his second CD. The first CD I ever bought was Bow Wow Doggy Bag. And I didn't want my parents to know I had it. <laughs> Everyone so, has that story where yeah. they buy an album and they hide it from their parents. And it wasn't even like Bow Wow. It's not bad music, but yeah. it's just I know my parents don't quite get it yet. Everything they played was John P. Key and everything else, right? Yeah. So I was just like, all right, let me not, 
let me not, you know, play this out loud in the house or let me just keep it with me so yeah. they don't see it. So I I don't know why I was this dumb, but I put the CD itself in my pocket. Like, not the case, the CD itself. <gasps> no. In my pocket, it just, like, would walk around the house with it. I don't know why I was so obsessed to have it with me at every moment, but I walked around <laughs> the house with it. And um, at one point, I forgot it was in my pocket, of course, and it just, like, cracked in half. So I think probably on the day I bought it, low-key. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that wasn't the day I bought it. It was at least that week, though. So, yeah, man, I yeah, but I, I still owe the inspiration of me rapping to Bow Wow, at least, because that, that dream was sparked pretty early because I saw someone young do it. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember... You're telling the story. It's a really cool story. How the stars basically aligned for Xavier Omar to come to Texas. Oh, yeah, man. Literally and figuratively speaking, the stars <laughs> aligned. Can you tell that story? It's a long story, but this is a podcast and that's what it's for. Yeah. Um, man, I don't like everything I do to sound like I'm trying to be super religious or nothing, but this is just the actuality of my life. That's, that's what it is. Um... So we, I felt in my heart pretty pretty early this year, around March, that I was going to be moving again. And I had just moved, mind you, in August of last year. Matter of fact, August 16th. Is when to I, D.C., right? Yeah, that's when I got up to, I, I moved to Alexandria, Virginia, to be near my then-girlfriend. So mm-hmm. I knew I was going to propose to her, and I wanted to be close to her. And she's lived in that area her whole life, the DMV area. DMV, yeah. Yeah, so... I was up there, and I was like, cool, I just got my deal money, so I was able to get my first place and all that stuff. I was like, cool, we can, you know, just get a nice little settlement in life. Yeah. And not even a year in, i feeling in my heart that I'm supposed to move again. Don't know where, but I'm just looking. Yeah. Um, I've had that feeling before when I was going to move to uh, Virginia, but that was before me and Kristen were even dating when I had that feeling. So I was looking anywhere, at every major city. So once again, I'm doing that. I'm looking at Seattle, Chicago, all this stuff, right? Um, Praying about it, and slowly it's getting more and more revealed to me. At first, it's just Texas. Mm. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to look at Dallas. I'm going to look at Austin. I've already been to San Antonio, not looking there. Don't really (laughs) want to move to Houston, blah, blah, blah. So that's like where my mind space is, right? So praying some more, and San Antonio is getting more heavy in my heart. And I'm just like, is this just me? Because I have friends there. Because I, you know, somewhat, you know, I got some ties there. My parents live here. Um, you know, I felt like that was just me. But the more I prayed about it and the more I looked at homes, the more it was like, okay, San Antonio. So me and my wife, we looked at some um, places on Trulia. And we found a couple we wanted to look at. I think it was actually three that we wanted to look at. So we said, all right, we need to fly down and go look at these places to make sure this is what we want. Before we even do that, I'm already praying like, God, if there's a specific place, please put it on my heart. And so he puts this specific home on my heart. And I'm just like, okay, we're going to go look at it, but I want to look at the other one. So I'm doing my due diligence, you know, yeah. and I want to make sure I'm not just talking to myself here. So um, we were staying at my parents' house and I tell them, yeah, man, like there's, there's this home that I feel like it's going to be ours, but I need to go, you know, we need, still need to go look at it. So we look at the houses when we go to that one, of course, we're like, yeah, this is it. Mm. <laughs> we even camped. It was the second one we went to look at that day, and we canceled the next one. Nice. Because we were like, this is it. Let's just do it. So that was August 3rd of this year. We, I called um, the property manager and was like, hey, you know, we want to put in an application on a home. 
is there like a time limit because we can't move until October, like early October. Our lease was supposed to end on October 12th. So we can't move till October. Um, you know, is there like a like some type of limit on, you know, how long we can wait or whatever. She said, "Oh yeah, if once you once you're approved by the application, then you have to move in within 2 weeks." It's August 3rd. Can't move till October. Yeah. We said, "Okay." Still felt like this is the house that we're supposed to have, right? Mm-hmm. We're renting, just renting. So, all right. Um, my family does this like prayer every Wednesday morning. Good God, now that I'm in the central time zone, I wake up even earlier for it. <laughs> but we do a prayer every Wednesday morning <laughs> over Google Hangouts. And um, so I just brought it up. Hey, you know, we're praying for this particular home because I feel like God put it on my heart. Just want to like, you know, pray over it, whatever. So we do that. And <laughs> this is some movie stuff. Literally that day at the in Alexandria at my apartment, there was this like big rain that came across for about 10 minutes. Right. So this the apartment complex is five stories. We're on the fourth floor. The roof has had some water damage problems before, but apparently it was before us. But there was one situation where water had leaked in and just kind of like made this kind of like saggy ceiling patch this little small Mm. part they came and fixed it can't tell it ever happened but there's some older damage that they hadn't uh, truly taken care of Mm -hmm. excuse me they hadn't truly taken care of yet so um when some other things had broken down a few months before i put in it on the i put a claim on it saying hey come look at it like it looks like it's getting a little worse i'm starting to notice it now and they're like cool we'll look at it they never did that was June. Once again, this is August. Now this is August 7th or 8th, something like that. Yeah. So we're in August, and uh, that rain comes, and 10 minutes, dude, just a quick rain. Nothing major. It wasn't heavy. It was heavy, but it wasn't like, oh, we're going to die. Like, nothing, yeah. right? So um, from the old water damage that I got worse that they wouldn't check on, two leaks start to happen, right? So... They come, I, I hit them up, they come and uh, take care of it, they put in the um, dehumidifier and all that stuff, right? The next day, the contractors come in and they say, we need to cut open the roof. And I'm just like, what the heck? Uh, okay, like, what, <laughs> what are we doing here? So they legitimately, right then and there, went to cut open the roof. And I probably would have been okay with it if, if they, when they sealed it back up, it was going to be, you know, decent. They sealed it back up with cardboard. So I have two two cardboard spots on my ceiling, and I'm paying. Once my wife moved in, the money went up even more because we got a second garage spot. So I'm paying um, over three k a month for this Damn. spot, right? And I'm just like, I do not think I should be paying three k for a cardboard roof. <laughs> I just don't think I should be doing that. So yeah, no I, human should do that. I uh, I get on the email and um, I hit up the the front office. I said, hey, told them the situation, put pictures in there, said, you know, would like to discuss paying less next month. Then I had this bright idea. I was like, or maybe possibly you guys let us out a month early. You guys come in to take care of the problem and, you know, we can do that. And without any type of like struggle at all, they said, oh, yeah, we'll let you out a month early. Wow. So we go from October 12th to now September 12th. We still need... We're still not within that, like, two-week window quite yet because it's August 8th, right? Yeah. So that's still a little over a month. 
So uh, I just decided to hit the property manager up again anyway. Say, hey, uh, we can get out of our lease now a month sooner than before. Um, you know, is that two-week thing really strict or can it be like 18 days, 19 days, whatever? And she said, uh, well, what day are you trying to move in? I told her September 15th. She says, I'll ask the owners. The owners came back and said, that's cool. So oh, then wow. we did the application. Uh, we got approved. So, yeah, from the 8th to... From that Wednesday to that Saturday, I think, yeah, that Wednesday it happened. I asked on that Wednesday about that whole situation, about uh, putting an app in. By Saturday, we were approved. Nice. So, over a month before we could even move, we were already approved to do so. And so, we got everything we needed, man, and and made the long trip down here. (laughs) And, yeah, our home, we just feel like it's supposed to be for community. It's supposed to be for, like, friendship and, and like, my wife loves to have big gatherings, and it's made for that, man. And so awesome. we're, we're uh, looking to be able to do that over these next few years. So It's awesome, dude. Big, long story. Well, but welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> welcome back, man. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. Um, well, since this is, you do consider this your home, Yeah. Um, can you talk about the story, how you started your career here? Yeah. So um, piggybacking off the end of the group. So the group ended in August of 2010, and my dad, I want to say, he had moved maybe around September of that year, and then by November of 2010, my mom and I, my mom and I had followed him down to San Antonio. He got a new job here. I couldn't get a job anywhere in Georgia. wasn't working out, and I was like, I know at that time, I was like, San Antonio is like kind of booming. Let's, let's go look for something out there, right? Anything but fast food, by the way. <laughs> and so I get down here <laughs> and I'm looking for work and nothing's working out. And I have an, a very old friend who I haven't seen since I was 14. Japan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I last saw crazy. him, when this I last saw him, he was in Maryland. Uh, well, he was stopped by. We were in Maryland. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't seen him since I was 14. But the last time we really, truly hung out, we were like eight or nine, right? <laughs> For real, we were like eight or nine. So he was living here already, was a manager at um, one of the Bill Miller locations, Mm -hmm. found out I was looking for work, put in the work for me at a nearby location. So I I go and um, do the interview and I get the job. This was San Pedro, right? Yeah, 1604, that like right there at 281, 1604. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's store 47, I think it is. Yeah. So yeah, man, I, I... Anything but fast food, and here I am at Bill Miller because of the friend I had playing basketball when I was eight. <laughs> Played basketball in Japan. That's <laughs> in so Japan. crazy. So, so just like, okay, whatever. Um, but obviously, I just wasn't, I wasn't going to be satisfied doing that forever. Yeah. I started looking at it. I came home one day so frustrated, and I was like, I think I'm going to join the military. Because my dad, 20 years, Air Force, he had kind of been pushing me to look at it. My mom had at one point, too. Mm. Uh, but then... Uh, I think she just heard me, like, singing a bunch and just wanted to do music. And she told me, just go for the music. Like, yeah. why would you go to the military? Just do the music. So it was the first time I felt like, okay, like, there was a little, little bit of support there. I didn't have no songs or nothing. She didn't hear nothing. <laughs> I guess she yeah. just knew I wanted to do it. Um, yeah, I hadn't made a song until it was the end of 2011. Because I put out my first song on Facebook. January 1st, 2012. It was called Morning. And I wanted to see if people liked it. And if they did, I'd make a project. 
So I, they liked it, and I was like, cool, I'll make a project. Yeah. Um, but even before that, man, August is a crappy month for me. Well, not crappy, a cool month, actually. Yeah. August has some like weird things going on. <laughs> so <laughs> August of uh, 2011 was when American Idol was in Houston for season 11. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm not going to rap anymore. I want to sing. My sister flies in. We go to Houston. Um, the first day, you're just getting your ticket. Yeah. Um, so everybody's kind of like really fighting and pushing to get through because they want to get their seat ticket. Cool. The next day, you're already secured, but people are still doing the same thing, fighting to get through. Stupid. But we get there. I'm ready to go. Um, you're At that time, you're sent down in groups of four mm-hmm. to just like, we're at, um, I don't know, NRG Stadium. Yeah, yeah, where the Texans Texans play. play. So we're just, we're there, and the turf is up, so you're just on the the concrete floor. And we're waiting our go. And right as we were coming up, all the judges went up for like this break. And I was like, oh no, I'm not going to make it. At that exact moment, I was like, oh no, they're going to like tell them what they're looking for and be more specific, and I'm not going to make it. So they come back after what seemed like 15 minutes or so. They come back. Uh, everybody in my group sings. I sing. I actually get complimented by the lady. She's like Australian. Anyway. But um, I get complimented by the lady on my look. So I was like, oh, pretty cool. So then I sing. I think I sang, um, Here we go again. What's it called? Uh-oh, I want some more. I forget the name of the group. Say goodbye to my heart tonight. I don't remember. But anyway, I sang that song. Yeah. Neon, neon trees? Neon Neon something. I forget the the song's called Animal by Neon. My brain is doing it now and I can't remember. <laughs> but um I did that song and I did it well. Like I was like, oh I was really happy with myself actually. Yeah. And so when you um when she wants to see somebody continue, she'll act out I, I was watching the process. They'll ask you to step up and everybody else to step back. And then if you don't make it, you just walk out of the like basically the away tunnel. Wow. And you just walk out and leave. And so nobody in my group made it. And so we walked over. This guy who looked like Matt Schaub, actually. (laughs) (laughs) This guy, he cuts my band off, and I just walk out of the tunnel. And it's like, that was it. And now we drive three hours home. Damn. It sucked, but I was so angry because I thought I did good. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to make music. I never wanted to be a solo artist, but I was like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go. My fire back then was very different. Yeah. I, I was very, and you can, it's not that my fire is purposely less now, but at the time it was just like, what? I was laser focused for some reason, like so hard. So I went, um, I talked to one of my friends at work, his name was Rainey, mm-hmm. and he helped me buy, he went half with me on equipment because he believed in me just hearing me sing. Wow. So we, he went half with me on a mic stand, a microphone, and an interface. And I already, I got the laptop with money my dad gave me for Christmas. And L.A., um, yeah, L.A. had helped me put on the um, the program that I used, which at the time was Cubase 4, good God. But I used, <laughs> I used Cubase. That's all I was familiar with. And, man, yeah, that led into me making my music, putting the song up on Facebook, and then putting the project out in July of 2012, or June of 2012. And from there, it's been nonstop, man. I think, wow. I think under Spazzy Rocket, I made six projects, mm-hmm. and three of them were in the same year. They were in 2013. Or 20... Yeah, yeah, 2013. 
I remember you telling me there was a certain song that you hopped on a remix that basic that kind of took you to another oh, level. Oh, no, I didn't hop on it. It was my song. Okay, so, okay, okay, okay. So in 2014, um, well, 2013, me and Sango put out Middle of Things. I actually put it out on my project. It was called SPZ RK3 because it was my third project, and there was three songs, and it was coming out on March 3rd, and March is the third month, and all this stupid crap. Right? You're big with numbers and dates. <laughs> it just, I remember. I love that you always have 210, yeah. <laughs> February, yeah. February 10th. So I, I just, it's easy to remember, you know? And yeah. it's like, people, I, I don't know, I guess my, I thought my brain worked like other people's. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, numbers. But, um, <laughs> so it it came out, um, you know, it did, I think it was the first song of mine to really get like a thousand on SoundCloud. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, dang, that's pretty tight. And then Sango reposted it. I didn't really know who Sango was. I just yeah. worked with him. And it gets 30,000 plays. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what's going on? And so, yeah, the song was out by then, but it was a year later when Stu uh, got the record and he did a remix. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah Stu did a remix to Middle of Things, and that popped on SoundCloud. That was my first million. Um, and so from there, it was just like trying to keep the momentum going. Um, however I could, working with who I, whoever I could. I worked with Esther. We did a song called Can't Wait. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, me and Sango, around that exact same time, had done Our Spent Loving You. Wow. Uh, the first project that was yeah we did it in 2014 uh, it didn't come out until 2015 but we did it in 14 yeah um well, well obviously the connection with Soul Action and Joe K was at that time as well um I can't remember what else I did but at that point it was just like just trying to keep up I was actually still putting all my music in CHH and mm-hmm. Christian Hip Hop uh, world so um how are they receiving it so this is the thing. My music, they called me, I was just like the relationship guy. Mm. And so even still today in Christian hip hop, the way to get shows was uh, like church. You had to go through churches and youth groups, basically. Yeah. If they wanted you, they would come and book you. But what adults, adults think all kids want to do, and to a degree they're right, but they think all they want to do is just jump and hear bass and kick and scream right yeah so a guy like me who was actually singing about actual feelings and emotions and i didn't have all that going on quite yet i'm not it doesn't matter how many people are listening to me how well the projects receive which my project the loner which has like the tower of america is on the cover yeah that was the project that really did it for me wow and everybody i'm like one of the talks of chh i'm a rapzilla freshman rapzilla is their biggest platform um, basically their DJ booth like I'm one of their freshmen I got all these things going on and nobody is inviting me anywhere mm. because I don't got knock and bass in my music and it's like what I can't make a, a living <laughs> doing that so I actually um, I ended up the next project that I did I kind of took it the other way yeah. so it was when they called me the relationship guy and I wasn't getting shows so I was like alright I'm going to do a whole project about nothing but Jesus, and it's going to be high up-tempo, and um, for the most part, it's going to have some records you can, like, knock, right? Yeah. That was my whole game plan. That's not what God gave me to do, which is so weird to say. God gave me... The reason I started making music was because there wasn't any... uh, There was no music that had, like, a Christian worldview of relationships and emotions. Mm -hmm. You had to go... At that time, like, the weekend was coming up and party and all those guys... And everything, R&B was really dark. 
it was everybody was trying to outdo each other with how much they could disrespect women. Yeah. <laughs> everybody was like singing about drugs and it was just it was that era where it was starting to turn and have its have its own new sound right before the trap soul sound yeah. came in. So at that point it just you couldn't turn to it for your emotions, which I think it's why I was probably like so much into rock music, like uh, alternative rock more because I could like yeah actually hear some expression without all the other stuff. So, um, yeah, my my whole purpose was to bring that Christian worldview into the music and just so other people could relate to it that yeah. didn't necessarily relate to all the other stuff. That's all it was. But here I am kind of falling to the pressure of Christians themselves and just making songs only about Jesus. Now, they help people, obviously. God's going to make good out of even my disobedience. But it's funny to say to people, I was disobedient when I made songs about made a whole album about God because that's not what he gave me to do. Yeah. Um, and it worked out, though. What I wanted to happen started to happen. Um, but about a year, was it a year? A year or so later was... Um, what year is this? Actually, it wasn't a year. So No, yeah, 2014 I did Bonfire, which was the last project, I think, under SPT. No, it wasn't. Hours Spent came out in 15. So, yeah, trying to make this right loner mm, yeah loner lucid dream was the project where i did like the whole like nothing but god stuff started getting little bookings here and there not even big stuff just some bookings here and there right bonfire was when i went back to kind of my style and i kind of mixed it which is my my flavor is to mix it i do want to make songs about god here and there because it's still my life yeah but the most part is relationships right mm -hmm. so I, I mixed it well in that project to where people i got the complaints all over again right um by 15, I knew, okay, I'm not gonna. That's the wind, bro. No, it's a train. Oh, that's a train? Oh. Yeah, it's right here. Okay. The you train's can... been in like every podcast oh, episode. What? You yeah. can edit. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I can actually wait till it stops. So, no, you're good. You're good. Oh. Um, I lost my People train of thought. <laughs> no. Uh, He's going on his comedy tour <laughs> in December. <laughs> well, no. Oh, um, so that trying to go back to where I was where was it oh by by no it was by the end of 14 so yeah it was a full year yeah uh, now my mind is clear let cool, me cool. re let me uh recap I made lucid dreams in 2013 2014 was the year I started seeing like shows and stuff for the first time in the Christian uh in the Christian world but by the end of 2014 was when um, I felt that I was supposed to just leave, not so much leave the genre behind as much as it was like make a statement that my music isn't just supposed to be here. Yeah. Um, I want it here because it's gonna, it is helpful and it's for us, but it's supposed to be, excuse me, more places. And so yeah. I had, I just had a little bit of an issue when, like, when people Christians really want something to hold on to and claim cool so that they can like claim that the religion is cool but it's like we're not the point of, the, of faith isn't for coolness anyway but they want to be validated in pop yeah. culture as cool so bad that whenever I would put out music if people would go into like YouTube comments and, and here and there and say oh this is a Christian R&B artist or this is a like they they couldn't wait to throw that in front of it and so so much so that when I made my song Jesus My King I just called it JMK so that somebody would listen and not mm. just not and just pass it by because it says Jesus. Like, my whole thing is listen to the lyrics and then you can decide yeah. 
where you want to go with it. But don't, like, I didn't want people to disqualify me because of that one word when what, what's in the music could be so much more helpful to them than they even know. So that was my whole point of, um, of stepping away from, uh, from that title. Um, so yeah, man, like it, it, the way that they were, they didn't receive that in well at all. <laughs> uh, it was pretty, it wasn't a good time. How uh, did you deal with it? Uh, I'm not sure. Cause it's like a community that's been supporting you and then, and then for them just, to be upset with you like that. Man, I have another like super crazy story to tell, um, <laughs> that connects to this, but people that I looked up to you know I could you would see comments like I love CHH and I'm here forever or and you could tell it's just like obviously a dig at me yeah um, and it just really sucked because I still looked up I still do look up to some of these people and um, I wasn't trying to like alienate the people as much as I was trying to be more inclusive of others yeah. Uh, because of where I knew God was leading me. So um, I'm not even, I'm not 100% sure how I dealt with it. It sucked, and it still sucks to think about because, like I said, Rapzilla is like their DJ booth. So imagine if there's an artist that DJ booth runs a story about for an entire week. That's what happened. Dang. And so they took my – I wrote this – they called it an open letter. Um, I wrote this letter to the community basically – saying hey just like I'm not just yours yeah that's basically all I wanted to say in it is that my music belongs other places I belong other places as well I still 100% believe in and love everything that's happening here I just don't only belong here and that's all it was so so that when people started seeing me going to venues and do this and that that they would be like oh what's going on I was literally just informing people yeah and um I went back to read it. If you if you search Spazzy Rocket, S-P-Z-R-K-T, open letter, you'll still find it online. Oh. Um, so I went back to read it probably earlier earlier this year because I was like, man, did I say some stuff I didn't want to say? Yeah. Nah. I said everything how I would have said it today. Wow. And um, That's great. Yeah, I was very proud of my 25-year-old self. Well, 24-year-old self at that time. Um, so, man, it, it was... I don't, I don't even have the words for um, how bad that sucked, the way people... I remember getting on Facebook and somebody was in my Facebook messages saying that I don't have, like, I don't have um, Christian male mentors because I wouldn't say this and that if I did. And I was just like, what? what? You don't even know me. Somebody, um, that might have been that same person, called me a fool. And I was like, I don't get it. I didn't understand what was going on. How do, um, how do, you, how do you maintain that, that faith still? Knowing that there's people from your community saying these, you know, these awful things about you. Oh, that's the people. That's not. What, yeah, it doesn't represent. That's not. Yeah. What God thinks about me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people make their mistakes, that they're not, they're supposed to represent God. But there are things that you have to, um, there are things that you have to learn yourself when it comes to any faith, right? Yeah. So if these are the characteristics of my God, even if the people who want to be like him don't show his characteristics, that doesn't suddenly mean that that's how he is. Yeah. That just means that's how they are. And so I didn't want to be one of the people that was like, 
the people treated me like this, so their God must be not real. Yeah. When in actuality, if if Christianity is what I think it's supposed to be, it's a bunch of really stupid, jacked up, messed up people who need God. And so I can't be surprised when somebody in the hospital coughs or, you know what I mean? Like, I can't be surprised when somebody on crutches is hurting. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it, it, that's that's who they are. Yeah. Now, they, they strive for more, of course, but at the end of the day, that's humans are humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to separate that. Um, man, how long are we going? I got another story. <laughs> no, you're good. We're, we're at 40 minutes right now. Um, this is always... I don't think I've ever told this story on, on a okay. podcast. Yeah, for sure. I've always told it to friends. But this is a... Um, I was very skeptical, but there was a prophecy. Yeah. At the last show that I did, well, the second to last Christian hip-hop show that I did. So I'd already had it in my head that night. I was talking to Asai Ziv, one of my homies. I was at his house, actually. I was like, yeah, man, I think I'm going to like announce that I'm, um, you know, I, I'm kind of stepping outside of Christian hip-hop to do some more. And I'd only told him and my manager. So I, do, I go to the show. I'll go to the show. And at first, this uh, this girl and her friend came up. They just did the whole picture thing, right? I go perform. I come back. Um, and they come up to me again. And I'm just like, you already got your picture. <laughs> What's going on? But she says, hey, can I share with you what God showed me? And I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. So I've never received a correct prophecy. Everybody just like, not that everybody's wrong, but it's just. For whatever reason, when people come to me, it's been wrong. So, so she she starts to talk to me. She goes, um, "Remember, this is 2014. I haven't yeah. done anything that I've done today. So, just I see you on mainstream stages, big stages, opening for mainstream artists." I was like, "Okay." Hadn't told anybody that, but Asaya, that I even like had that desire. Yeah. But she just tells me that that's what she saw. And the next thing she said was, um, you're about to make a decision that's going to disappoint a lot of people you look up to, but God trusts you with that decision. Wow. We just talked about that, right? Yeah. And so this was months before that. Um, and then she goes, um, Oh, and don't worry about finances. Like, she legitimately said it like that. And don't worry. Oh, and don't worry about finances. So here's why that part is important. That was my biggest check. Well, no, that was my biggest. I made $400 that night. Um, I was still living here. No, no, no. I had just moved to Georgia from here two months prior to that. Oh, wow. I had about three months of money saved up because I figured I could at least get a job at Burger King if all else failed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll be all right. By the way, that never happened. But <laughs> but um, I was like, yeah, I'll be all right. So when she said, don't worry about finances, I didn't take it as, like, don't look for a job. I took it as, oh, a job is going to come. So the next, a couple, actually, I got home from that trip and got a call from Mike saying, hey, I know this is quick, but next week there's another church that wants to bring you in. And it was for $800, and it was going to be like a New Year's thing. Like a, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. So now, this is fair, right? Don't worry about finances. Oh, here it is. Things are starting to happen. No need to worry, right? Biggest check I ever got in Christian music, $800. So I go do the show, um, and I'm we're in our hotel room, 
and my voice just kind of starts to go away, just mm. inexplicably, just starting going away. So we're getting water and everything that we can get to help it out. Um, at that same time, Mike gets a email from Starbucks. They're trying. They wanted to like use my music in their stores. Like I guess they didn't use playlists. Yeah. I don't know what they do now, but they had to do that at that time. So they wanted to use my music in their stores. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But what was funny was I had been applying to Starbucks <laughs> to, wow. to try to get a job, and I couldn't. Nobody's answering me, but then we get that. So I told him that at that moment. So we're we're at this church, and we're in Ontario, California, and I go perform. Right, well, I go try to perform, I should say. So I don't have a voice. There's very few things I can actually like vocally sing at that moment. Yeah. So there was enough parts in my set at the time that like could allow just for like crowd jumping and dancing that I kind of faked like I was DJing on mm-hmm. those parts. Um, and then I sang what I could sing. And then because I'm also a drummer, I got on the drums on some part. And just I, it was just the worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I can't believe I collected $800 for that trash. When I think of it now, um, now the... Don't worry about finances. There's it goes even deeper, man. But now the word "don't worry about finances" was don't chase all this other stuff. Yeah. I've already not only have you had the thought that you don't want to be in this arena anymore. I had a prophet show you that you won't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. I was already connected to Sango and Selection, um, and my music was starting to be kind of known in that, in that arena as well, right? So all these things were beginning to happen for me. And this is around what time? This is still like that 2014, okay, just talking okay, about cool. what's going on, um, the end of 2014. So all these things were kind of lining up, but I just, I guess I, for the most part, I just didn't understand. Yeah. And I was still trying to make stuff happen for myself. So, man, um, all the way into February, April of 2015 was the first time I got another show. Mm. Uh, it was with Selection. It was funny enough. Good Lord, this is, I can laugh at myself. This was on Easter. Like, when I was on stage, by the time I was on stage, it was Easter. Um, wow. And we were doing, moment. I was doing Hour Spent Love You for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I, I had a crowd, like, know my music. It was crazy. And they were doing How Do You Love Me, Jesus My King, all the stuff. From, it was, I couldn't believe it, man. That first time having that real crowd experience like that. Um... And literally from that point on, about once a month, I would get a show or or an opportunity of some sort. Matter of fact, in May was um, this thing called Emerge, which two defunct companies put together, Samsung Milk and uh, All Def Digital. So they they put this thing called Emerge together where they took, uh, they had 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 a program for a year where they had one new artist come have a single that they feature for a week and they picked their five favorites. So I was a part of that. And we, they bring in a major artist so that everybody can come see the unknown artist. Mm. So they put them on first, and then of course the major artist. So the artist they had was Travis Scott. So wow. that was my first time opening for a major artist, um, and then just kind of countless since then. Um, but everything she put in the prophecy came true. Um, by the end of, well, okay, that was April, May. I got something in June. I got something in July. I had something in August. I had four in September. First time I had that many shows in a month. I was like, yeah. yo, this is great. It's really starting to pick up. And then I get a call from my friend Andy Minio saying, hey, my opener dropped out. 
and like, would you like to come on tour with me? So suddenly now here's my first tour and my money for at least, I didn't make like a crazy amount of money, but because I didn't have to pay that much in rent, I was living with my sister. Yeah. <laughs> my Basically my rent and everything was taken care of for about half a year because I was only paying like a little like 500 or less each month. So yeah. <laughs> like everything was just taken care of. Um, and yeah, man. So my, my wow, life has just been a big series. Was... It's weird still. Yeah. <laughs> it's just been this big like God, God saying, trust me. And me having to do it and then watching what happens. Yeah. And um, that's why I've kind of always been a little upset with the Christian hip-hop community or the Christian community when they say, well, you don't do this or you don't do that. Because it's like when I get opportunities like this and I actually have to tell my life, there are many things I can't answer without saying what God did because it, I obviously didn't. And a lot of stuff mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense, you know? Um so, yeah, man. I'm so you can see I'm still trying to uh, <laughs> gather myself about like how much that, that time period sucked. But yeah. at the end of the day, like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. You're really big on respecting women. Yes. It's like one thing you you make it abundantly clear. Um, does it? Has that affected um, your, your business in, in a sense? Or does it even matter? Because it's like, th- that's who you are. You're staying true to yourself. Uh, if it affects it, I, it's because I affected myself. There have mm-hmm. been songs that I have, I've have had the opportunity to feature on mm-hmm. that um, maybe some parts are pre-written for me. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't do that. Or can I change the lyric? Um, and if I can't change the lyric, I can't do the song. Um, nice. Or there's there's been a part, uh, there's been a song with, somebody I've already collaborated with before I love him I'm not gonna put it out there like that but he's the homie he's dope mm-hmm. um, we had a record and um, at first when it first came to me it was just him and so then I put my part on it right Yeah. and when I got back to final it was me him and someone else they put that other person's part first and what he said next to what I said made no sense on the same song mm-hmm. and I was just like you can't have me like with my approach of what I just said in my verse follow that like because of the content of his verse so I was like it's it's not gonna work out and they they were like yo we'll have him change it and it was like I don't wanna be I'm not trying to make other people change what they do because of how I wanna do it like I just want I just have my way of doing stuff so I'm definitely not gonna say hey man look change your whole verse so that it can fit what I'm doing. It's not even my song. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yo, this is your record. You can get somebody else on it to do your, do their thing or whatever it is. Like, yeah. I'm not here to change y'all's approach. I just have to stay true to mine. Yeah. So that's, that's all it is. Yeah, I don't think... I think it gives me more opportunities, to be honest with you, because you can use my music more places. Yeah. Um... You can play it more places without worrying, you know, trying to get the clean version and stuff like that, for the most part. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, it's never, it's rarely a thing of like, can I play this in front of my children? Can I bring my, my children to your show? You know, it's, you know, of course you can, just because of the, it's crazy. the way we do things. This family at your homecoming show this year, I was shooting photos. <laughs> Look to my right. 
It's his father, his two sons. I'm assuming it's his girlfriend. And they're all singing, like, oh. together. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like, this kid knew your lyrics, man. He, they, he was singing his heart out. He was, like, man. 12. Just seeing them sing together was was incredible. And I interviewed him afterwards. And, uh, you know, I was just asking him about um, just them attending your concert, them yeah. singing along. And the, the father was like, yeah, whenever my son's with me, I guess, you know, they're split custody, I guess. Mm. With his wife or ex-wife, whatever. Like whenever my son's with me, we always sing along to this. We played in the car. Wow, this is stuff I never like. I rarely get to actually see. Yeah. Um, because when I'm on stage, personally, there's it's two things. One, I've kind of got tunnel vision where it's like I'm just trying to get these records done, and yeah. I, I've been learning to get out of that and enjoy the moment and be with these people, shake hands and see who's here and all that. Like I've. I've always, like I told you, I was always so laser yeah. that when I got on stage, I didn't even notice people. But it's like, they're here for you. Like, you should yeah. take the time. So, um, but there are still times, even sometimes just because of the setup of the stage, the lights, where it's like, I can't you see. You literally can't see anything. I just yeah. can't see that. Um, I can see pretty much what's in front of me. And if, mm-hmm. I, if I forget to ask them to raise the lights up, I don't really get to see all that's going on. So, yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever had a moment where I, I was able to see a full family or nothing like that but it's good to know that it happened yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool man what, what do you wow. prefer do you prefer bigger venues or do you prefer smaller venues I or it doesn't matter I man my mindset I want everything maximized nice. so I feel like my music is made for bigger settings yeah uh, I feel like my performance style is made for bigger settings as well um, I almost feel handicapped in smaller situations where it's like I feel too big for the stage. Mm. Um, okay. The energy wise, because I'm not a big fan of, and people are gonna get on me about this. I'm not a big fan of acoustic stuff, so I've got to go do a bunch of acoustic stuff next week. Yeah. For these different uh, publications and stuff, but I'm just not like, for me, I'm not a big acoustic fan. Not because I don't do it well or anything like that. I just like the fullness of everything that we create in a studio, yeah. and I like to hear it maximized by the band. So some stuff I will strip down. Matter of fact, I have one song that will be completely stripped down on my tour set. Mm. But in general, man, I'm just not like, oh, let's just make it intimate. I'm not big on that. <laughs> I get it. I, ladies well, there you go again. It. That's you. That's who you are. You're staying true to yourself. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> I, so I think my, my music is, uh, well, the things I like more is like, Big theaters, amphitheaters, yeah. arenas. I've never done an arena quite yet or an amphitheater, but I feel like when it gets there, it's going to feel like, oh, this is what I what I do. Yeah. So, What was it like to perform at Mala Luna back in 2017? <sighs> I want to have a good story about Mala. So I have a great story about the fans. The fans were incredible. Yeah. We met there, actually. Those yeah, that's where cool. I first met you. Yeah. Um, Family. That's when I found out you were from San Antonio <laughs> because I hadn't I had discovered you through No Name. Oh wow! You were on her project telephone and I was like, man, this guy's a great boy. So that's how I came across your music. One of my homies was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna interview Xavier Omar." I was like, "Oh, that's so dope, dude! Like, I like his voice." And um, he's all, "You know, he's from San Antonio." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was I was like freaking out. I was like, "I need to interview him." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure enough, man. I went to yeah, you, you're adopted by San Antonio. <laughs> That's what I was going to put in the intro. Oh. Damn it. <laughs> uh, it was still organic. But, um, 
Yeah, uh, that's where we first met. Um, so what was that experience like, your Malaloon experience? In general, it was a lot of fun. Um, like I said, the crowd, it was one of the, it wasn't the first, but it was one of the first times my parents were in a crowd to be able to like see me perform. Yeah. Definitely the first time they saw me like in San Antonio perform. Um, we did the uh, Fiesta style Spurs paint uh, limited edition shirts for the fans. Who I think there was only like 35 that day because there were 50, but all my crew took them. <laughs> so um, well, yeah, those were sick, dude. We did a super limited edition for that day. I had on the the uh, warm up jacket, so it was just it was a lot of fun. Um, we had issues with the staging. That's why I'm having like the like a lot of kind of a lot of people did. It it just was not. Now I don't know who the crew is. Hopefully they're not the same crew, because yeah. I don't want to like down them. But just for us in that particular time, they were trying to get us to start the show when they hadn't even finished our check. So it was like, uh, you guys haven't checked on our like the laptop where the music is running from, but you want us to perform. Like how can we perform if yeah. you haven't done that? And then even uh, even more than that, I said, hey, we're just gonna run the show because we're almost done anyway. They were trying to get it. They were trying to cut us off. Um, we were about a song and a half away from being done. Damn train. <laughs> we were about a song and a half from being done, and I just said, man, hey, just go. If they cut us off, they cut us off. Yeah. And so we're like in the last about 30 seconds of our performance, and they cut us off. And I was just the band and drums, no track. And it was like, let's go. We, gonna, we finish it. We're doing what we do. Yeah. Um, so it was really um, frustrating on the stage. But the love that I saw from the people was like more than I, you know, yeah. honestly thought I would get at that point in my in my career. Because yeah, I'm from the area, but at the same time, it wasn't like I was known, like super known for people to be like going crazy about me the way they did. So yeah. it was fun. Um, and then Khalid was there, hanging out with him was always cool. Yeah, because um, I remember he had texted, he had texted you to link up, and yeah, that was I was literally the last person I was gonna interview you, mm-hmm. and I overheard you telling uh, somebody in your crew that. I was like, I'll just walk and talk with him. Mm-hmm. Literally asked you three questions. That's all I needed. And then you stopped. That's it? <laughs> so, yeah, bro. Yeah, it was good. That's why I was like, oh, really? Just three questions? Yeah. All right. When you've been doing this reporting thing for a minute, you know what to ask. So mm-hmm. that's why I was like, yeah. And then talked for a little bit longer. Yeah. Then I saw you two years later at your homecoming show, yeah. which was great. That was, that was one of my favorite shows I've been really? to. Yeah, it was I don't remember much about it, bro, because it was just like so much energy. Yeah. And I know that it was because I, I see photos of me in that jacket now and I sweat through it somehow. So <laughs> I saw the pictures. Yeah, I have a picture where like sweats just like just dripping down. Oh, my gosh. It was it was and just, it was cold that day. It was. But Paper Tiger, man. Like, I know. That's, that's a hot box, to be honest. 20 people get in there. Jeez, man. To become the sauna. Yeah, it's a hot box. Shout um, out Paper Tiger. <laughs> I love them. We're going to be back at it for uh, this next tour run. Well, that's right. So, 210. <laughs> yeah, 210 again. I literally had them remake the uh, the second leg of tour to fit 210. Nice. So I was like, San Antonio where? And I was like, oh. Well, I don't think they had it at first, which was, I was like, <laughs> what? It's <laughs> like, so what's going on? So I was like, obviously San Antonio and obviously on 210. The thing about that, I've been going back and forth about 210 actually being on 210 because we don't get to do all the things I like to do now that we've started this kind of in the middle of the week. Like this year is going to be on a Monday, right? People got places to go the next day, whether it's school or work. It's just like, I can't do all the stuff I like to do. Like I'd like it to be on a 
Friday or a Saturday. If it's a Saturday, I can make it a full day event. Yeah. Like we've got all, all kind of things we can do, vendors and all that. And then uh, I can bring in some of my artist friends to perform. Because uh, some years I'm not, like, I don't plan to perform, but I still want to have a 210 day. Yeah. Uh, it's just something for the city. It's not just about me. Uh, so that's why I'm just like, dang, would it make sense to do 210 on any other day? <laughs> um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe one year we'll just like, we'll skip the actual February 10th and, I don't know, put it in the summer or something just so that we can have the, the fun we need to. Because at this rate, 210 doesn't hit the weekend until like 2024, 2026 oh, or man. something like So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be an, an old forgotten guy by then and I'll, I'll just be bringing up the new talent. But I Nah, man, you have too much, too much substance for that to happen. I like to think, but, you know, I, I'm very like... Uh, I'm very honest with myself about yeah. you know possibilities of my future, so um, I you know, just want to be, be well. Might be doing your comedy tour by then. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, you're a huge wrestling nerd. Good God, I am. Oh man, <laughs> you were at WrestleMania. Can you talk about that? Oh man. So one of the weird uh, things of my my life, I had been. A fan of Wale since uh, Paint a Picture. Yeah. Since the Paint a Picture uh, mixtape. And I was like 15 when I first heard that. And in a wild turn of events, um, my A&R Tunji got me in contact with Wale just because he thought I could do a record with him and thought it would be nice. Wale liked my music. And we've been cool ever since. We just, sometimes we text just a text, man. Yeah. And he knew I was a big wrestling fan. And he said, hey, if you can get to New York, I can get you to WrestleMania. He wanted me to be at Wally Mania too. Uh, oh yeah, that was that yeah. was that was incredible. That looked really cool, and I wanted to go, but I forgot what was going on. I couldn't go that day, so I just ended up going to Jersey the next day instead. But yeah, man, MetLife Stadium, WrestleMania 35. Oh man, first ever main event for women: Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair. Oh man. Uh, but more than anything, I think Kofi Kingston, you know, baby. Say, more than anything, it was the Kofi. It was Kofi Mania, man. We were able to get a uh, second row for that match. So we just kept scooting up and just taking people's nice. seats. Because Wally is like, first of all, he had a friend there who used to be a writer. So like they know people and they can allow stuff to happen. Okay. But more, uh, even more than that, they just like, they've been to enough shows where they kind of know the flow of things. So it's like, all right, they're going to put these family members here during this match. And then after that, people move out and then you can move in. So Ooh. like they've got this little game plan. So we are in the second row behind Kofi's family it was just like wow, man! It was incredible. I saw that picture you posted, yeah, last week. I'll show you a oh my a video that was, when we're done here. But that, man, that was a great freaking picture, dude. Being right there um, to see it happen and just the feeling in the entire like stadium. Yeah, like good lord, everybody. I don't think anybody, everybody's wanted something to happen so badly all at once. Same. It was so cool. Uh, to be in that energy and just screaming like a little kid watching Kofi uh, win that championship. Um, what a great storyline that was. I know. My, I have a theory. Even though I, and it's, it sounds even more biased, but even before I moved to San Antonio, I always said that Shawn Michaels was the greatest. Yeah. And then I started putting AJ Styles somewhere close to him. I have a theory, though, that Daniel Bryan is the greatest of all time. Oh, hot take. I take it's just whatever they gave him, he would he could do it. Yeah, he knocks it out the park. Do it really well, and like fickle, the, fickle, fickle. How many 
WWE didn't at the time, and even now, you can count the true heels. Like, so you can't count the, the talent on the roster, but you can count the people that you say, I don't like him. You Daniel Bryan was the biggest baby. Daniel Bryan was Kofi Kingston. Yeah, back in WrestleMania 30. How did he become, we hate you so much? Because he's the GOAT. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing, that's the only way it makes sense, man. We had Yeselmania where, like, he had such a great storyline and all we wanted. Overcoming the authority. Just incredible. All we Got wanted was to win. Yeah, man. The the uh he had all like the, the tape ribs and the arm tape and still came through. He beat Triple H first and then the, the triple yeah. threat later. Incredible. But suddenly he's on the other side of it. The two greatest babyface things that ever happened. Daniel Bryan he was, was involved both. in both of them. He's the GOAT, bro. <laughs> like who else? Who could actually wrestle did that. Because I don't want to give it... Hogan, yeah, did the face and heel really cool. Drew a lot of money. I get it. He drew the most money. It's probably both face and heel. Hogan, when it comes to the dollars, give it to you. Yeah. But to me, Hogan can't wrestle. Oh, no. I've never thought Ho Hogan was a great wrestler. He was just You just had to call him that. Cause that's the, I feel like anybody pre, pre-95... No, Flair can wrestle. Well, Flair was the only one. Yeah, Flair, Flair could wrestle for an hour mm-hmm. and entertain you. Flair and Sting, though, those were the only two. Yeah, that I felt were like, well, okay, we have to stop this before we get killed. There was Flair, there was Sting, there was Steamboat, Mach- Steamboat, there Steamboat was, was Macho incredible. Man. Like we can't, we can't say the only. There were guys, but n- that was very rare. And today, it's commonplace. Guys who can just go. Um, it's crazy. So, who, who'd your top five be? At the moment or all time? Which oh, one are we doing? Both. My top five changes every yeah, every man. episode. I was like, didn't you have a different top five the other day? <laughs> man, all time. Um, as much as I'm giving Daniel Bryan the GOAT thing right now, I my heart just still makes me put Shawn Michaels number one. Probably because of nostalgia and the childhood and all that. Same. But Daniel Bryan had a, had a similar retirement story and redemption story. So I'll give it to Shawn Michaels. I'll go Daniel Bryan second. I'm actually going to put AJ Styles third. AJ, I didn't know anything about until he got to WWE. Really? I just you didn't, didn't watch him in TNA? I didn't watch TNA. Oh, TNA was great. <laughs> in the mid-2000s, TNA was on par with WWE. I watched, so I went to one event that they had at the Alamo Dome, which I don't know why they had it there because they blocked off most of it. I know. So <laughs> it was this, I don't even know what, what the rules of this match was, but it was like this big cage match where people got added in later. And it wasn't War Games. It was just a regular steel cage match. And it was like eight people, every man for himself, Jeff Hardy, Sting. I don't think AJ was in it. But uh, that was the only TNA thing I ever went to. So I didn't know much about AJ at all. And I was like, yo, this dude really is absolutely his name he's phenomenal he's incredible so much so that i put him third i feel like he's like Shawn michaels he's better at wrestling than Shawn michaels but he just doesn't have the mic skills or charisma as Shawn michaels yeah because Shawn michaels like this the dude was on drugs and he was carrying a whole company (laughs) so so similar q and i were having this conversation back in houston last year he was talking about Shawn michaels being like the goat he's like this guy was like you hated him Mm -hmm. then you loved kind of like daniel bryan you hated him then you loved him then you hated him again Mm -hmm. just like Shawn Michaels is legitimately too, and then his some of his best matches were in his forties. Yeah, in his freaking forties, like him and Taker at WrestleMania. 25. Oh man, I still can't still can't get over that match. That match was great. Good lord, because Taker's not the best wrestler, but he can he can still perform well. 
I Taker is going on my list. Oh, okay. Um, because that's four, right? Prime Taker. He's not fourth though. Oh, okay. Prime Taker is incredible. Which like, one's your favorite Taker? Uh, WrestleMania twenty three around there, where he was facing Batista, like really lean, very, very buff Taker, like. Still flying over the top rope easily. I liked that guy was incredible. Oh five Taker, that was around that time. Yeah, that was because yeah. I was wrestling <coughs> WrestleMania twenty. Mm-hmm. No twenty one twenty one because WrestleMania twenty was two thousand four. But I still remember. Uh, I was was it, was I talking to you about that Albert? I found some of yeah, yeah I was talking about it on his podcast when I was a guest. I found some of my old writings and one of them was a Halloween story. Oh wow. I wrote in fourth grade, <laughs> so I had all the. He had Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Jeepers Creepers, and had him in like a melee. And the one person that beat them all was Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> He's got powers, man. Nobody else had powers. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but nah. Um, so I actually have Taker fifth for me. This may be a little bit of a shock. This is a, a new boy goat ranking. Randy Orton is fourth. So I have Shawn Michaels, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Randy Orton. And the Undertaker. Mm. Randy Orton is so, so smooth in the ring. Randy is LeBron James in this way. They thought he could be really great when he was young, and then he just was. Yeah, like just right off, right off the bat, right off the gates. Right. So you know, he went through. Everybody goes through their initial generic wrestler look. He had the generic thing going on. As soon as they put him in evolution, he's been. Great ever since. It's like 15 years nonstop. It's literally like watching LeBron play ball today. Like, it's just, when were you not good? Um, Randy, I don't think anybody over that long with, with that much use. So Randy hasn't, like, yeah, he's been injured, of course, because he wrestles. But yeah. he hasn't had the whole, like, uh, I'm only going to wrestle at these events type of thing. Like, he's still an active member of the roster and has been for a very long That's time. That's a great point. Like, he just goes. The Jeff Hardy feud last year, like, oh, yeah, great, right? And these two old guys, they're not even supposed to be doing that. Um, there's some stuff that you wish could have been better, but I mean, over over years, that happens. Like, it will. But, man, Randy, first of all, the best drop kick ever. <laughs> the best drop kick ever. I think, at least, I don't know if it was the best, but it was my favorite heel run ever, and I'm going to call it the best. When he became the Viper, when he was bald and super lean, like he was right just ar- punting people. Yes, right around when he had legacy with him. Oh yeah, Cody and uh, Teddy Biasi. Man, so he didn't win this match, but it was the I Quit match with John Cena. Yeah, where it was like Randy Orton is scary, and he's just a regular human, doesn't boast any powers, nothing, just walks around and looks at you, <laughs> and that was like to me that was one of the best heel runs ever. Um, so yeah, so those are my my top five. Man. Nice. What about now? Right now, so like as of today's date, or can I do I do it for the year of twenty nineteen? Whichever. Wait, is that the same thing? <laughs> it could well, it could be different because now they're moving stuff around. And yeah. What they've done lately isn't the same as what they did all year. But just go for from top of the year. You gotta put. Um, I don't know who's number one. Top of the year, my favorites. My favorites. Let's just do that. Still Daniel Bryan. I'll give him number one. I'll watch him. Yeah. No matter what. N- number two for me to watch is Aleister Black. Number three is Velveteen Dream. Love him. 
Number four, can we just put all of the Undisputed Era as one? Go for it. <laughs> I, mean, I know you you love them. I love Kyle you love them. We were, love we were texting on, what was it, two weeks ago when NXT moved to Wednesdays. We were going Inner Circle versus Undisputed or something like that? Well, that's no, that was a topic on Twitter. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Inner Circle versus Undisputed. And I was like, what? Inner Circle just started. They haven't done anything. Yeah. Undisputed has every championship in NXT. Like, they're incredible. They deserve that. They're, to me, they're the coolest group since I mean I guess you could say Bullet Club but Bullet Club never had like an American version that like made sense yeah um, all their coolness was in Japan in one like over there we, I didn't get to see it much me so to me they're the the best and coolest faction since probably like NWO to be honest mm. with you um so I love it man I love that I love that group um fifth yeah I had to I had to jump on Disputed all together <laughs> I have I said Daniel Alistair. Who the fuck? Velveteen, undisputed. I will say for this year. You know what? Uh, we haven't seen much since she's got back. But who I'm going to watch? Sasha. I'm going to watch Sasha. I'm glad. Yeah. You you can't help it, man. I love so her. as much as they they give Charlotte Flair all the championships and long title rings, and Charlotte, I mean, and Sasha literally literally zero title defenses, one over five championships somehow. Um, that girl, when you talk about, we need the best. So she proved it with Bailey at um, what was it? Uh, Takeover Brooklyn in 2015 when they oh, had yeah. match of the year, and then when they needed the first ever women's. Uh, Iron Woman match, Sasha Banks and Bailey. First ever women's hell in the cell, Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair. Um, she did another first. Oh, the first ever women's tag team champion, Sasha uh-huh. Banks, uh, and with Bailey. Uh, there was only like one first she didn't do. Um, did she? Did she wrestle at, at Evolution? I don't remember her match. If she did, mm. no, I think she was she, gone by then. Yeah, she missed it. Well, no, she wasn't like gone. She was hurt. Yeah, yeah. She was hurt. Yeah. She was supposed to go with somebody else, so she got hurt. But literally, like every major thing they wanted to do with women's wrestling, they involved Sasha Banks. When they brought up for the women's evolution, Sasha was involved in that. Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte. Um, so they they herald Charlotte much more because the athleticism and being Ric Flair's daughter, and yeah, she is great in her own right. So the Ric Flair's daughter thing does have a little bit to do with it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and being six feet tall and all that, but Sasha, man, like I'm so upset. I feel like she should have won. She should have. I it, feel like you can still have Becky still be the face of your company, and you know she can fight the heel for the title still. Mm-hmm. Like, but it worked out since she got injured. Um, yeah, she hurt her tailbone in that match being incredible. Sure. It was match of the night, and it was the first match. Sasha freaking Banks. She's yeah, I was upset. I was like, they should have ended with that match. Yeah. Should have been the main event. She's the only one to do... She's the only woman to do uh, two Hell in a Cell so far. Like, she's just... You call on Sasha when you need something. Oh, know? yeah. So, she's incredible, man. What do you think about The Fiend? Oh, man. I love the character. I do. Me too. Um, it's just... It's fun to have this, like... This thing that you can't defeat. And I know they're going to try to figure out a way at some point because it has to have a payoff. Um, but you can't defeat it, and I don't know how they're going to do it. Do you think him and Aleister Black are going to defeat it at any point? 
it makes the most sense. Right. What made the most sense was for Finn to be the demon and for the fiend to beat the demon and then Finn goes away and then go to NXT. Yeah, that would have been great. He just he just squashed Finn and I'm like cuz everyone squashed Finn before but no one squashed the demon. Yeah, so then when you have the demon come back now it's like for the first time it's like, <coughs> "Oh, is he going to win this match?" Yeah. Cuz we know when he's the demon he's going to win the match. So that would have been great. But anyway, Fiend and um with Fiend and Seth, man, like I don't know what because you know they're doing it again at Crown Jewel. They're gonna do another false finish of some sort. Yeah. It's it's false count anywhere, but they're gonna do something where because Fiend is on SmackDown, Seth is on Raw. It's a Universal title. The red title has to stay with the red brand. Yeah, but they're gonna do something stupid. But I don't know how long they try to hold off Fiend and Alistair. They're also on separate brands, so Survivor Series. That's Maybe. the only way if they do this whole like. Um, like what I do on my on 2K19 is for my Survivor Series, I'll, I'll do all the title versus title stuff, but I'll always do at least one match where it's just like, who are the two people from the different brands that you really yeah. can't wait to see, and that <coughs> is like that is the only match that is absolute money, but because it is, you might want to save it for something else. Yeah. So. I don't know, but at one point they stopped doing that. Remember they gave us Cena and uh, Roman at No Mercy. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they give us these WrestleMania matches just kind of all year long at one the point. The promos to that. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm still here because you can't do your job. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. No one can touch Cena on the mic. No, I don't. I don't believe it. Cena and Rock mm-hmm. are the only two that are, like, Hall of Fame level of talkers. And I... Phew, I would like to say I don't know who's better, but I do think Rock won their exchanges. He did it with cheap stuff, but he won. Nobody. The one where Cena got him really good is where the Rock had his... Yeah, the promos on the arm. On his arm. Mm-hmm. And nobody there caught it live, but looking back at it, it's like, oh my mm-hmm. God. And that really pissed the Rock off because he talked mm-hmm. about that. He's like, that really pissed him off. Cena was always like real, <clears throat> and so you always felt him, but the Rock knows how to make people remember something and make it stick with you. So Rock called him Fruity Pebbles. What if fans start calling him Fruity Pebbles? And He's then, so charismatic. But then John Cena, smart as he is, went and got a Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles deal. It was on the cover of the box. So it's just like, man, the, what they're doing with Baron Corbin right now. So are you? Oh, you're a super tough dude. So then he start making a crowd chant STD. Oh my like, god! Like Rock is ridiculous. Like he, it's cheap, but it sticks. And so to me, he it, that he doesn't wins. work with anybody else. Yeah. It really doesn't. To me, he wins because of that. But him and Cena, man, top my guys. What do you think about AEW? I am trying with all my might to look at it as not WCW. Um, obviously, the people who... it's on Turner? Well, that's part of it. Because the way to, the way a TV, uh, a TV network uh, produces something, just it doesn't change, right? Yeah. So Fox shows on Fox look a certain way. Shows on NBC and ABC look a certain way. Shows on TNT look a certain way. So wrestling on TNT looks the same. Yeah. Um, and so I just see WCW in every way possible, even the pyro. Like and I they even just, got the old announcer. Yeah, they got him. And oh god. Anyway, yeah. and so this is the other thing: <clears throat> having having former WWE talent. So they got Jr. They got um, the guy on the uh, the announcer. 
uh, not Justin Roberts. I forget his name, but is that his name? No, I, I don't know his name. Uh, but I they, know you're talking about. They got the announcer, some of the talent, of course, John Moxley, Chris Jericho. It's just like it just Chip feels, Kager. yeah, so WCW, you know. And their top talent, you, you got to watch it. Like, yeah, I, I'm gonna watch Moxley in, in Omega. Um, I'll watch Cody in, in um, Jericho, but. For the most part, man, when you talk about the rest of their roster, it's just like, yeah, you got to get used to them. But I feel I, like they set themselves up for failure by going up against NXT. <laughs> Maybe not Cause, though, because the NXT doesn't have the big feel like yeah. they do. So at least they feel like a big thing. You know, NXT is was it five hundred people? Maybe you know, which they might change. But their product is just so damn good. Yeah, it's much better. Um. I feel like if they would have gone on like on the same day as Raw or SmackDown, no, why not? You that's a death sentence. Now SmackDown with Fox now, Raw's just well, SmackDown's been awful the last two weeks. Not the last two. Last week was great. This week was weird. Um, but now that they're drafted and everybody's done doing their like pointless matches and all that, now that everybody's in their place. Yeah, you look at the talent pools of both of the shows. Good luck, AEW. Like, good luck. I have a question. What the hell happened to the wildcard rule? Is it dead now? Yeah, that's the point. That was okay, the point cool. of the drafts. Okay, so cool. They did two drafts this year, which never happens. Yeah. And the reason they did that was because now we got to get new superstars to Fox and blah, 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 right? But yeah. the problem was, during the original draft, you have, like, Roman on one show and Seth on the other, but both shows need stars. And so that's why they started crossing yeah, and it was like just say that the the brand split is dead, you know, because yeah. people who are on drafted to certain shows never got a chance to even be on the show. Exactly. So I think they did it right this time, though. The yeah. wild card rule is dead, and so whoever is on whichever show, like that's their show. It's good. Yeah, and we're gonna see a lot more. Um, I think a few more bigger names go back to NXT as well. The oh guys, yeah, people that weren't drafted. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm excited. I'm glad fans doing something now yeah poor guy <laughs> poor guy <laughs> he never really lost his title he just got hurt yeah he just got hurt man never got that chance again um Except same thing wrong. happened to Dolph Ziggler oh yeah um when he was a heavyweight champion but got that concussion from Del Rio and just didn't get the chance to do it again it sucks because it's like hey put me back in the position to show you you know why well, you momentum dies too yeah I, I never understood why they don't give guys an immediate chance again if I'm it saying. makes booking sense to do so. Yeah, especially so. when the fans... I hate it when they're like, the fans have the keys. <laughs> like, do we really? <laughs> we have nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Um, this just, it's, but I'm just glad the Kofi thing worked out, though. Yeah, it did. Because everybody was behind that. And I think WWE got to a point where they were like, we could sell stuff. Like, they already sell great merch anyway. Him as champion, you think people wouldn't buy this stuff? I think... They're business-minded. So, simple stuff like Alberto Del Rio, when he was there, yeah, they were about to go on a... Uh, remember, CM Punk was champion, right? Yeah. They were about to do a Mexico tour. So, that's why he got the title. Same thing with... Uh, Just the gender. money. Yeah, gender. When they were going through the whole, like... I don't, they went to more than just India. Yeah, that, they went everywhere. That actually didn't work out that well. Exactly. It didn't. <laughs> but they like, just... Crown Jewel, he got, bold, he got booed, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was Crown Jewel. Yeah. So it's just, it's weird, man. They uh, they do stuff based on the money of their business. You know, yeah. That's what they're trying to do, but um, they miss a lot. They do. Oh, Poor kids. oh, yeah, man. So usually I tell people, 
I give them the floor to talk their shit. <laughs> can talk about something great, something that's bugging you, whatever. Every time I get these opportunities, I have no idea what to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'm not a person. I do live in my head a lot, but I'm not a person who's Same. got a bunch of gripes or um, I wish this would happen, that would happen um, in general. But more than anything, you know what? <laughs> you know what? No, I do have I have something I can tie into the, the album coming out October 25th. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I can tie it into this. Um I don't know how many fans are going to listen to this in its entirety um, as far as like, you know, how much we're saying because people probably got lost at wrestling. But (laughs) what I would like to say, if you are a fan of any artist, to just um, think of this. When it comes to, you know, maybe they haven't put out music in a while or um, they haven't dropped a single, whatever it may be, you just got to consider that if it was up to them, It'd, it'd be done. If they're not in your city, you have to consider there's business that says they shouldn't be there or, you know, it's not the artist saying they don't want to do this or that. So, like I just mm. told you earlier, when it came to Moments Been Loving You, I thought it was coming out last year and I thought I thought it was going to be made early last year out by the fall of last year. Yeah. And we didn't get it done to the fall of last year because uh-huh. plans that I didn't know were happening, Right. Um, and then having to kind of figure it all out with the label. So sometimes when it comes to, especially if it's only been like a year or so, when it comes to new music, just give an artist a chance to really live their life, you know, get to a new place in their head and have something good to say to you, have something worthwhile, meaningful. Um, if you do that, then, you know, you allow them to uh, be the best version of themselves for you. And so for my fans who have, been waiting for the project. Moment spent loving you, I think really um, is is what you think it's going to be. It's it's what you've wanted from me um, in all this time that you've been asking for a project. And I was able to do that because I was given the time to not only make it, but then given the time to allow executives to be executives and whatever else, you know. It's not all in my hands. Um, so I'm happy that it's finally coming out. I'm happy that we get a chance to just listen to it together and um, enjoy it, man. I'm ready to go on tour and meet people, shake hands. I'm not doing meet and greet on the tour, actually, because hmm. we have this thing, uh, early access, where fans can get in, I think it's 30 minutes ahead of when doors open. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited about that because I think in that time is when we'll be doing different things for people. So... Even before that, we might pull people just out of the line. If there's a line, pull people out of it and do like video stuff with them. And I nice. might get a chance to meet them there. Or uh, during early access, I plan uh, for the most part to like pop out here and there and just say hi to people. And I may not get to everyone. Um, I've gotten sick on the last two tours. So I was just like, I was kind of scared about, you know, meeting everybody individually, shaking hands and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Um, but I do want to people who come out and decide they want to spend an extra few dollars to get there early and get their place in the front. I want to meet them. You know, I want to say hello. Um, so, and that's a good way to do that without making them pay directly to meet me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm not obligated to do it if I'm not feeling that great. But at the same time, like I want to do different creative ways to meet people, whether they paid money or didn't to get in early. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, yeah, man, when it comes to just uh, 
my fans, hopefully, I will not hopefully, I'm, I'm thankful that a lot of people have been understanding, and I can't wait to get back out there, but that's like the number one thing on my plate right now. I have a countdown on my phone for when tour starts. Oh, man. So, like, matter of fact, I'm have the Y2J right countdown. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. It is, was it 47? 45 days. To wow. And 10 to the album. Yeah. yeah. So where can we find you? At XVR Omar uh, on everything, I believe. <laughs> um, for the fans who uh, follow me closely enough, you'll see a phone number on my Instagram and a highlight. Um, I don't know where the thread is on my Twitter. It's probably buried now. But... I've been doing this thing called community where I've uh, got a phone number specifically for my fans who can just hit me up and I do the best I can to get back to everyone. This week, I haven't gotten back to anybody. I feel kind of bad, but we've just been doing a lot at the house. Um, but yeah, I've responded to over 500 people directly. Um, nice. I try to do voice notes so that people know it's me. Okay. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's been challenging to keep up with that many people knowing I can't go back and really keep up in the conversations. Um, but at least having the chance to say hi directly to somebody, say their name, thank them. Like that's been something I've, um, been very grateful to be able to do, Mm -hmm. um, being able to reach out and say thank you to someone who supports you and doesn't have to, you know? Mm. So it's been really cool to do that. And for as stressful as it can be, it's a great thing. Yeah. So if you find that number, I don't want to put the number (laughs) because I'm, (laughs) it's so hard (laughs) to keep up. But if you find that number, hit it up. I'll do the best I can to get back to it as soon as I can. I'm, I know I'll be responding uh, tomorrow for sure. But Nice. Yeah, uh, so that's it. That's all I got to say. All right. Albert, where can they find you? Uh, Trebla underscore art, albertgonzalezart.com. We are here at Southtown Art Gallery located on 1913 South Flores. Dang, he's got all those numbers. That's crazy. All right, and you can find me at Sports Guy Jose. Wraps it up for episode 11. Stay brown. That was great, man.